there is a special word from the Lord today. And let me thank you for the Bible Way Church of Atlas. Oh, so many of you are in the house. I was listening to someone just earlier on the radio, and they said the Sunday after resurrection, after Easter Sunday, is the most difficult Sunday because people come to church one time and figure they don't have to come back for another couple months. But I thank God that you're in the house. Look at somebody and say, you are in the house. Amen. Amen. Thank God so much for you. There's a special message that I want to share with you. In fact, I preached this message on the fifth Sunday in March in Orangeburg at the Kingdom Life Ministries. As you know, Pastor Rawson had some very serious and extensive surgery and he had been out and is still not fully recovered for six to seven, maybe eight weeks. And the Lord laid it on my heart to go the fifth Sunday in March and minister to that congregation. And God met us there and blessed us in a very special way. Some of the brothers from the men's ministry went down with me, Pastor Mac went with me and others. And after the service, some of the brothers came to me and says, now you must preach this message at Atlas Road. This is a message that everyone needs to hear. And God has instructed me to do so. So I want to be obedient to the voice of the Lord. We will start the next series of messages, Faith Under Fire, the third Sunday in May. That is the Sunday after Mother's Day. Amen. Faith Under Fire. But this is the assignment that God has given us for today. And I am convinced that this is the word that God wants. He met us here in such a powerful way this morning. At 8, I just had to end the service. We were going over and the anointing was so strong. God says just end it. But I want to share this word. The text for this message is found in the book of Esther. Chapter 4, verses 12 through verse 14. The book of Esther, chapter 4, verses 12 to verse 14. The NIV translation, New International Version of the Bible. And, and I believe that, that God is going to bless someone today. After the 8 o'clock service, a young lady came up to me and tears were in her eyes. She's a young educator, school teacher. And she said, Pastor Jackson, uh, now I know why God wanted you to preach this message. She says, I was dealing with a major decision, life-changing type of decision, and God sent a rhema word. See, I'm convinced that it's not about the church or the pastor. So many churches and pastors get caught up in their own limelight. And God said, it really isn't about church or pastor. It, it is about God's word. God's word is more important than any pastor in any church. Amen. Amen. And so if you know anybody that brags on their church more than their God, <laughs> they need the Holy Ghost. Amen. 
or their pastor more than their God, they really need a relationship with God. Hear the reading of God's word. Chapter 4, verse 12, the book of Esther, and it reads, When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Mordecai sent back this answer to Esther. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. Verse 14. For if you, Esther, remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And here is where the subject is found, the last clause of this verse. And who knows but that you have come, ah, this word blessed me so much, that you have come to your royal position. Who knows that you are where you are today for such a time as this. <laughs> and the church that loves God's word said amen. Reach over and catch someone by the hand. Amen. Here's the subject for today's message. Amen. Three words, two major words that make up this subject and this message. Squeeze those hands and look at somebody and say, obstacles and opportunities. <laughs> look behind you and says, obstacles can become your opportunities. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Obstacles and opportunities. Throughout this year of 2019, uh, we all have witnessed God sharing the word to us through preaching, teaching, through praying and other ways of impartation of the word uh, from this subject that we've adopted for the theme of 2019, which is entitled Walking by Faith. But Paul writes, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And so every week and every message we have made the point that as spirit-filled, born-again believers, we are expected, God is expecting us to walk by faith. Somebody say faith. And not by what we see, how we feel, what we are going through, or even the expectation of others on our lives. In other words, God said to us that we in 2019, listen to this, this is important. You will either live by faith or in your emotions. But you can't have both. <laughs> if you choose to be guided 
to live by your emotions, then you cannot walk by faith. It is important for us to understand something. Emotions are often used by the enemy to sidetrack us. In fact, I am working on a sermon series for later this year, perhaps the fall of 29. I've already begun working on it called Emotional Pitfalls. Those things that come in our lives as emotional things that are designed to knock us off course, to knock us down, to steal our joy. That is why God says if you are going to be a faith walker, you're going to have to put your emotions to the side. You're going to have to do things you don't feel like doing. Preach Pastor Jackson. You're going to have to take stands that goes contrary to what makes you comfortable. <laughs> you're going to have to do things where the evidence points otherwise. Confidence where there is no evidence. You're going to have to ignore the opinion of others. Perhaps take a break from social media and not be so caught up in what other folk have to say and walk with God and hear the voice of God as God directs your life. Somebody say, by faith, Lord, by faith. Now listen, my brothers and sisters, it is important to understand that as we endeavor to walk by faith and not by our emotions, we will most certainly encounter both obstacles and opportunities. I'm here to tell you that on your faith journey will not be without a challenge. Faith journey will not be without obstacles coming your way. You cannot walk by faith and not have to go through some difficult things, endure some hard trials and tribulations. If you expect that 2019 is going to be an obstacle-free year, then you are sadly mistaken. If you expect that in this year, folk are not going to get on your nerves and you will not have haters that will try to distract you, then you are sadly mistaken. In fact, I am convinced that the more anointed you are, the more you take and the more you endure. And God's plans for your life includes hardships and heartaches and obstacles and things you've got to go through. Obstacles are used oftentimes to make us strong. When we speak of obstacles, we are talking about those things that are sent or placed in our lives to obstruct or hinder our progress. And oftentimes, now catch this, this is what you cannot miss. Oftentimes, God will send the obstacle. Why? Because he wants to strengthen your life. 
told the church this morning, uh, Deacon Melton and other great military veterans, uh, that in basic training, something called an obstacle course, right, D? Obstacle course where they set you up to have to go through some difficult things in order to get to the place where you can accomplish your mission. But if you can't overcome the obstacle course, you cannot get to the mission. Uh, even in our life, God sets us up with obstacle courses. God puts things in our lives, walls we have to climb, situations we have to press our way through, people we have to smile and keep our mouth shut as we know they are stabbing us in our back. Can I preach? Times in our life when we know we are right, but we can't always defend what we know is right. We have to stand still and let the Lord fight your battle. Some things in your marriage, in your family, with your career, and I'm here to tell you that people that do not want to go through anything or people that will never get to anything. Don't miss it. If you can't go through, you can't get to it. Uh, God purposely put things in our life so that we can go through. Listen, early on in Jesus' ministry, having been baptized by John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove, heavens open up, God says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You know what was the next thing that happened in Jesus' life? The Bible says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now the key that we often miss is that the Spirit led him in the wilderness. It wasn't the enemy that was dragging him in the wilderness. It was the spirit that led him. Job's trials and tribulation were caused because God brought up Job's name. <laughs> Satan didn't voluntarily go after Job. Satan was trying to mess with somebody else. But God said, have you considered my servant Job? What are you saying, Pastor Jackson? Some things in our lives, God voluntarily pushes us in. Some things you go through, it's not the devil dragging you in it. It's God placing you in it. Because God say, after this, whew, you're going to be stronger and better. Somebody shout after this. I, I, I just make sure I'm in the right place. Anyone in here have got after this praise? Is there somebody in here after your illness, your faith grew stronger? After you were fired, uh, your relationship with God grew stronger? After your family fell apart, God gave you more joy and more peace, and God gave you an anointing like you never had before? I don't know. I just, somebody ought to just give God an after this praise. And thank God for all the stuff you had to go through. 
Now the key is not to take you out, but the key is to take you up. And if you can endure this, if you can just endure a night of weeping, you can enjoy a morning full of joy. But the Bible says in Psalms 30 and 5, weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. Well, somebody just caught it. Somebody just know you had to cry in order to get your joy. You had to walk the floor in order to get your joy. You had to go through what you went through in order for God to set you up for your next level of blessings. Clap those hands and give God a praise for all the stuff. Sometimes your haters think they are doing you a disservice. Sometimes your haters uh, think that they are really bothering you and making life difficult. Ooh, somebody say, but God. But just so you know, come on and testify, Joseph. Joseph said, my greatest haters were members of my own family. <laughs> Can I take my time and preach this? I know we've got another service after this, but I need to preach this. And he, here's what Joseph discovered. That, that, that those who were closest to him could not handle what God was going to do in his life. And so his haters were his own brothers that he shared his dream. And here's what they said when they saw him. Here comes this dreamer. Let us throw him in this pit and destroy him and see what will become of his dream. But what they did not know was that they were being used by God to take Joseph through the obstacle course in order to make him stronger. Fast forward Joseph's testimony. Now God had elevated him, brought him out of the pit, through the dungeon, made him the governor of Egypt. Joseph sits right next to the king. These brothers come and realize this is the man, the young man that we sold into slavery. They bow down in front of Joseph. Joseph said, get up. I am not God, but I have a message for you from God. What you meant for evil, God intended it for my good. Somebody ought to just give God a praise for all the evil God used to bless you. You got 30 seconds to give God your best praise. Come on, somebody. Somebody shout, I needed that. Obstacles. Obstacles. Those things that try to hinder you, obstruct your progress, stop your advancement. Opportunities, somebody shout opportunities. Opportunities are those situations, those conditions that are favorable for our success. In other words, God says it does not guarantee your success but it sets you up so that you can be successful. How many of you know that God has set you up? I see, we are, we are living in unique times. 
We're living in times, uh, Brother Finney, where there are a whole lot of folk that, that, that don't want an opportunity. They want a guarantee. They, they want God to do it all. And God says, no, all I'm doing is setting you up for an opportunity. I'm going to put you in the right position so that you can contribute to your own success. But look at somebody and say, you've got to do something. God won't study for you, young people. God's not going to take the test for you. You can't go clubbing all night and go take the SAT the next morning and think you're going to knock it out of the park. But God said, I'll set you up in the right positions and give you an opportunity so that you can be successful. But you must seize the opportunity. May I preach to somebody? And so now, here's the question. Here's a question that God told me that we all should consider. I need y'all to help me with this. Catch someone by the hand and say, neighbor, what happens when your obstacle becomes God's opportunity? What happens when your struggle is an opportunity to do something great? Ah, can I feel something? God says, I'm, I'm blessing somebody in here right now because you thought the obstacle could take you out. God says, no, it's going to take you up. It's going to bless you if your haters even knew that their hate for you made you a better person. If your enemies knew that their devious plan to destroy you just made a way for God to bless you. Somebody feel like praising God. Ooh. If they only knew that God was using them to perfect an anointing in your life. Because some of you, the only reason you prayed so hard is because somebody got on your nerve. Only reason you sought the presence of God is because your enemy came to destroy you. And if it had not been for them, you would not have your prayer life. I'm working on a future message in which the psalmist said, it was good that I was afflicted because I learned your decrees or your laws or your statutes. Tell somebody it was good. I went through what I went through. See, see, Elder Gloria, folks see your anointing, but they don't know your struggle. They, they don't know how you were sick and you kept worshiping God. They don't know all the things you went through. So when you see God perfect, a blessing in her life you don't know her story I just need a handful of folk that say if you knew my story you would better understand my testimony 
I've got a story behind this testimony, behind this praise. Somebody ought to, yeah, 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 yeah. You owe God a 30-second praise for all the hell people put you through, all the trouble people put you through, all the ups and downs you had to endure. But look at you now, stronger, better. God did it. God did it. God did it. Y'all excuse us. Somebody just remembered a pit that your enemies threw you in. But God You better learn how to praise God for all the stuff you went through in order to be where you are now. Somebody, 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 somebody in here has got to praise. Sometimes you've got to give God a public praise over a private deliverance. <laughs> Look around and tell somebody you won't ever understand what this praise is about. But trust me, there's some things God brought me through that only God could have done. So I, I don't want to get on your nerve. I, I, I don't want to make you mad. But give me some praise room in here. For when I think of his goodness and what he's done for me, when I think of his goodness and how he set me free, my soul. I am trying to get to the text. I'm trying to get to the text. Every time I try to move on and talk about Esther, God reminded me something he did for Daryl. <laughs> if it had not been for the Lord that was on our side, where would you be? God did it, God did it, God did it, God did it, God did it. Somebody shout, God did it. Somebody shout, God did it. Woo. Turn my situation around. I've got to, let me, let me. 
Pastor Bradley, I am violating every homiletical principle I know. <laughs> Everything you and Bishop taught us about get to the text and you get to the praise. But sometimes the praise can't wait until you finish the text. Amen. Listen, listen, listen to this. Queen Esther, y'all sit down before church breaks out. Ooh. You've got 60 seconds to put your best praise over something that... Listen, 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 y'all. Let, let me share something. Esther. Only two books in the Bible were named for women. The book of Ruth and the book of Esther. What distinguished Esther from all other biblical books was its theological uniqueness. <laughs> As I can hear one of my professors say, because it did not mention the name God. Here's a book that did not mention the name God. There are many arguments about why, perhaps, because it was written while they were in Persia. Uh, and perhaps it was written as a testimony. People already knew it was God. <laughs> but Esther's story really began a hundred years or so before Esther. When uh, the nation was led into captivity by the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar and others. And they were in the land of Babylon going somewhere, contemplating whether or not they should still praise God. Such we have Psalms 137 that is written that says, when we consider Zion, our hearts wept. And when they who had led us into captivity required of us to sing them the joyous songs of Zion. We responded by saying, how can we sing God's song in a strange land? God was blessing them. So I'm going to show you how to praise God when you're in a strange place. Amen, someone. And such was the case. They were in captivity. And God, as he prophesied, earlier raise up a nation to defeat the enemies of Judah and Israel. 
The Babylonians were defeated by the Persians. At that time, it was King Darius. You know Darius, the one that Daniel served under. And so now they are in the land of Persia because the Persians had defeated the Babylonians. Those countries are still in the Middle East. They are now called Iraq and Iran. And so while they were in Persia, can, can, I, can I set this up for you? God raised up King Darius to send the captives back home to Jerusalem to set them free. Such was the case with Zerubbabel and others who led a journey back to the native land. <laughs> uh, but there are some Jews who remained in Persia. They remained in Persia because they thought it was better. They had ties there. They, they had adopted and been acclimated to the environment. So they wanted to stay there. Now we know why. I'll get to that in a minute. One of those families was the family of Mordecai, Esther, and others. God had done a magnificent thing in the life of a former enslaved orphan named Esther. God had elevated her to be queen of Persia. God removed Queen Vashti, placed Esther in a position, somebody say a royal position, for a reason. <laughs> and now, a but God testimony. This former enslaved orphan by the name of Esther, who was raised after the demise of her father and mother, by her cousin Mordecai was in the king's palace. Queen Esther. That is why there are so many names, particularly throughout southern states, particularly the descendants of slaves named their girls at a time Queen Esther because she represented the elevation of God in a strange place. <laughs> Esther, the book of Esther, reads like some lifetime movie. It reads like a movie consisting of romance, deception, lifetime, Harold, your favorite channel. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so, romance, deception, betrayal, good and evil. All in, but here's the thing. Esther was a strong, determined woman that never forgot what God had done for her. Whew. In other words, she was now the queen of Persia. And while she was queen, there developed, may I take about another 10 or so minutes, there developed an evil plot by the enemy of her cousin Mordecai. The enemy's name was Haman. Haman, because he despised and was jealous of Mordecai wanted to destroy all the Jews that remained in Persia. How many of you know there's some folk that just don't like you because of who you are associated with? 
such was the case, Haman developed an evil plot to destroy not just Mordecai, but all the Jews who lived under the reign of the Persian government. Uh, Mordecai learned of that plot. And Mordecai knew that we've got an opportunity to save some people because Esther is now in the palace. Somebody just caught it. Now you know why God put her there. Mordecai said, my cousin Esther Sarah, the former orphan slave girl, is now sitting next to the king. And so Mordecai summons Esther up uh, and, and, and called her and said to his cousin, cousin, this is what is going on. They are trying to destroy all of our people, including your entire family that is left here. Uh, and Esther knew she had to do something to help. Esther knew that I've got to try to do something, but there was an obstacle whoo, standing in her way. <laughs> Esther knew that I got to get to the king, but in order to get to the king, I've got to get by this obstacle, which was no one was granted permission to see the king without being invited to go in. And even if you were queen and you were invited to go into the king without permission, it, it, when you went in without permission, you could lose your life. You can be executed right there on the spot. Oh. And so Esther said there's an opportunity on the other side of this obstacle. But I've got to determine and decide what am I going to do. Woo. For every obstacle, God said there's an opportunity. But opportunities, don't miss this, opportunities require faith in order to make it work on your behalf. Esther then was called in by her cousin. She had to make a decision. She had, if she decided to take a stand, she had to make a bold move. Mordecai, thank God for folk in your life that can speak truth to power. Thank God for folk in your life that are not just kisser uppers. Folk in your life that can tell you the truth when you need to hear it. And although Esther was queen and she could have had her cousin Mordecai executed for insulting her, but Mordecai knew I've got to tell it like it is regardless of the consequences. So he says to his cousin, in verses 13 and 14, do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all of those who are Jews will escape this bad thing that they're trying to do for us. For if you, Esther, <laughs> Mordecai said, cousin, let me tell you something. If you get up in there 
and beside yourself. I'm going to add my interpretation. And you remain silent. Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. <laughs> but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, <laughs> my dearly beloved cousin, that you have been called to your royal position for such a time as this. Three key things I need to share with you over the next few minutes and then we'll get into depth on Tuesday night. But I need you to consider these three things that, that were a part of Mordecai's exhortation to Esther. Three things that as faith walkers we need to remember in our life. That's why I let you shout it earlier because I didn't want you to miss this. Okay, Don't miss this. Tell somebody don't miss this. Point number one. Look at somebody sitting next to you and it says, do not think that your position or status makes you any different than the rest of us. Just because you're a preacher or a deacon or just because you're the head usher, just because you got a job that other folk bow down to you and other folk uh, praise you and all kind of accolades all behind it, don't you think that you're in a different than the rest of us. Look at somebody and say, you are just like us. Yeah. See, there are a whole lot of church folk, I meant folk in those days, that have gotten so beside themselves, they think their position exempt them from trouble. And don't think because you got a title behind your name, a folk look up to you, that you won't have to go through anything. Can I preach this? Look at somebody and say, number one, we all got to go through something. <laughs> no one, Queen Esther, is exempt from what we have to go through. That's number one. Don't you think that you're any different than us? The second key observation found in Mordecai's exhortation to Esther is this. Do not think, ooh, and I love this one. This one blessed me, Deacon Parker, for a month or more as I was preparing this. Don't you think that God has to use you to do what needs to be done? Oh, good God. Let me preach to some folk that think because you don't sing, nobody's going to get happy. Because you, don't, because you don't come to church, we won't have church. Let me preach to some folk that think when you quit a particular ministry, it's going to fall apart. The devil is a liar. Can I let you in on something? Help me bless somebody. Say, you really aren't that important. And even me, I need to preach to myself. You, you really aren't that important because sometimes we think the universe revolves around us. And we think if we don't show up, it won't get done. Baby, I got to let you in on something. If God doesn't use you, he can use anybody else. God can raise up a rock to take your place. 
there's a crackhead in a crack house that hasn't even been saved yet that can be the next great evangelist that God can raise up. Somebody ought to give God a praise and look at somebody and say, God doesn't have to use you. May I preach? Some of us get deluded and, and we get confused. And we just, we just think, well, if, if I don't do it, it just won't get done. The devil is a liar. It was done before you were born and after you are dead and gone, buried in your grave. Folk ate chicken and pound cake at your funeral. God's going to raise somebody else up that'll do even greater things than you. And folk will cry like they can't live without you. But 30 minutes after they leave the cemetery, they'll already be laughing and planning what they're going to eat for dinner. Why? Because we really aren't that important. Look at somebody and say, God's already got your replacement lined up. I love you young people and you all bless me today but just in case the enemy tells some other folk that it can't be done without them touch somebody and say look at God look at God God got some songbirds that's singing in the shower that next month can be on the choir God got some musicians playing in the clubs right now but when God anoints them and change the direction in their life, God can change their death. God got some folk right now that ain't nobody's deacon that's sitting right now playing cards, drinking liquor, and smoking cigarettes. But when God gets finished and turn the situation around, God can replace all of y'all and me. Let me tell you something. Tell my son, Antoine, is anointing on your life. God wants to use you, but God ain't got to use you. I tell every young people in here, God wants to use you, but God doesn't have to use you. God used your granddaddy who was on the racetrack dropped out of high school, had a stammering tongue. Everybody in the community say he can't even talk how he's going to be a preacher. And before he died, he built one of the most successful ministries in this state because God can use anybody he gets ready to you. Look at somebody and say, God doesn't have to use you. God's already got somebody else in mind. Can I preach? Woo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look at somebody and say, God wants you, but he doesn't have to have you. Woo. And if you decided that you're not ever coming back to church, guess what? God's already filled your seat. Ah, yeah, yeah. The great church historian and church planner, D.L. Moody, <laughs> Dr. Cheryl Washington, many years ago, he was planning the church. Somebody came to Dr. Moody and said, Dr. Moody, what are we going to do? There's some folks that left the church and they're not coming back. He said, good, God needed the seats. <laughs> Tell somebody God can use your seat and he'll replace your seat with a real praiser, not some cute prima donna 
that don't want to mess their hairdo up. God, God, God. <laughs> oh, y'all going to be mad at me. God will replace you with somebody when they think of the goodness of Jesus will jump to their feet and tears streaming down their face, slop coming out of their mouth. Say, I don't care what you think of me. God has been too good for me not to praise God. Everybody, you got about 30 seconds to give God your best praise. Stand to your feet. Here's the third and the last observation. Whew. Number three. Whew. Number three. Know that you are where you are for such a time as this. It is no accident that you didn't die in the club. It is no accident that you're not locked up with all your other dogs. Preach Pastor Jackson. It is no accident. Woo! It's no accident, little Frankie, that you survived that car accident. Woo! I'm here to tell you that God says, I've preserved you. I've kept you for such a time as this. So grab your neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, God can use you to help bless somebody else. God can turn your obstacle into an opportunity to bless you even greater. Brother Daniel Finney, God didn't want you to die in that accident because God's got to work with your name on it. And how do you know that you're not still alive for such a time as this? Anybody know that God's using you right now and God has kept you and preserved you and blessed you so that God can use you? Clap those hands. Give God a praise. Give God a praise. Listen. Esther. Esther. Say y'all pray. Let's have a fast. For tomorrow, verse 15, I am going to see the king. And if I perish, let me perish. Is there anybody determined to do what God has called you to do regardless of the consequences? Somebody ought to know that God's got something he's using you for. Do your hands like this and say, God is getting ready to turn that situation around. Turn it around. Turn it. Turn it. Turn it. Get on the devil's nerve. Everybody, one time, turn around one. I got to go, but I feel like God says, I've done that because I'm about to turn your situation around. 
what Haman thought was destroying Mordecai actually destroyed Haman. Don't tell me what God can't do. God said, when your enemy comes upon you to eat up my, your flesh, they will stumble and fall. Somebody ought to clap those hands and say, Lord, I thank you for my turnaround blessing. Come on and clap. All in the balcony. If you know God can turn your situation around, clap those hands from the depths of your belly. Give God a Shabbat praise. Let the city of Columbia hear you praise God. Let the state, let the nation hear you praise. Meet me at this altar. If you believe God can turn it around, meet me, leave your seat. Don't even think about it. Come on, just run down to this altar and say, Lord, I owe you a praise. I should have been dead, but I owe you a praise. As you come, began to thank God for turning your obstacle into an opportunity. Began to thank God. Began to praise God. Come on, Zion. Touch somebody, say you owe God a praise. You should have been dead sleeping in your grave. You should have lost your mind last year. You, you should still be broke, sick in the hospital, institutionalized, incarcerated. But God. those hands if I perish let me perish as to say but I'm going here's what God did the mechanism that Haman built to take the life of Mordecai took his life the schemes that your enemy planned to take you out will take them out. I need to bless somebody in here. Woo. Somebody say, turn it around, Lord. Listen to the words of this powerful song written by Vashon Mitchell. Sometimes discouraged, but not defeated. Cast down, but not destroyed. <laughs> there are times, whew, I don't understand, but I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at somebody and say, I believe it's turning around for me. I've had struggles, 
You can substitute that word for I've had some obstacles and some disappointments. There are times whew, I felt so alone. Some of my friends, they let me down. Any witnesses in here? But I still believe it's turning around for me. I can see the breaking of day. God is making a way. A change is coming for me if I stand strong and believe there's no reason to doubt. <laughs> I know, look at someone and say, I know he's working it out. <laughs> Ooh, then this is the part I like. It won't always be like this. <laughs> God will perfect that concerning me. Lift those hands and say, sooner or later, it'll turn in my favor. It's turning around. <laughs> it's turning around for me. Sometimes discouraged. Come on, Anthony. Ooh, listen. Sometimes discouraged. Mm. But not, but not defeated. 